0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today is the fourth month, uh, or sorry, the fourth Sunday of the month of Tut. We are are celebrating the fourth month, even though it is technically the fifth month, but um, because the Coptic New Year landed on the first Sunday of this month, so all of the months were shifted. So today, even though it is the fifth Sunday, we are celebrating and reading the readings of the fourth Sunday. And the readings of today speak about the sinful woman who came and Uh, fell down at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was dining in the house of Simon the Pharisee and who was offering repentance for her sins. And we read about how the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, was very merciful and compassionate toward her, while at the same time, Simon the Pharisee, who she had interrupted his dinner party, was very annoyed and judgmental, and looking to her with disdain, and and questioning even if the Lord Jesus Christ knew who this woman was for him to allow her to touch him and for her for him to treat her with such respect and dignity. So I'm going to speak a little bit about the responses that people have toward those who are repenting. Um, Many times when we see someone who is repenting um, the reason they are repenting is because they have in the past or they've had some lifestyle of sin and maybe a lifestyle that is known by many people that they have a certain reputation. And when they come to repent, people respond to them in different ways. So now first, I'm going to speak about four ways, negative ways, that maybe we respond to the person who is repenting. And then we'll speak also about a few positive ways that we should respond to those who are repenting. So the first negative way that people respond to those who are repenting is with judgment. As we read in the story today, it says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. He did not value in any way that she was repenting, nor did he imagine or believe that she could change and that her value was intrinsic inside of her having been a sinful woman and there was no way for her to turn again and to change her ways. Um, The irony was is that in the eyes of God actually Simon himself was a greater sinner because he was not repenting and he was filled with pride and yet he was convinced that this woman was the one who deserved condemnation. So one of the the, the, the mistakes and the falls and the the, the the vices of the Pharisees in general, is they considered that everyone else was beneath them. And anyone who did not have their knowledge or have their status or follow them or do exactly as they said, they were considered to be beneath them. And so they would come with this spirit of judgment. Of course, we know also that they judged the Lord Jesus Christ himself because he did not fit their mold. He did not do what they wanted him to do. He healed people on the Sabbath. People followed him and he had a large following. And so the, even the Lord Jesus Christ was subject to their judgment. When we see someone who is, is repenting of their sin, what is our first attitude toward them? Do we only see them as sinners? Do we only see them as people who have fallen into some kind of mistake and we, we consider ourselves to be better than them? Maybe we look at their sin and we, we are in shock of it. We say, how is it that a person could possibly do such a thing commit such a thing, treat other people a certain way, and maybe we compare them with ourselves, and we say, I would never do that thing. And even if we we don't consciously go through that thought process, because maybe if we go through it, we feel like, okay, we shouldn't be thinking that way, but we maybe treat people in that way. Maybe we don't treat people as those who have repented, those who are clean, those who are, w- are white in the sight of Christ. We treat them as though they are blemished, that there is something wrong with them. There is something that is uh, like keeping them from, from joining us, from being with us. We see here very clearly in this example that the Lord Jesus Christ fully accepted this woman and there is, there is nothing that he did not offer her. Another um, response to people who are repenting is skepticism. To ask the question: Is this person really genuine and authentic in their repentance? Is this person going to really remain faithful? Did they really change their ways, and that this is a genuine repentance, or is this like for a show, or is this like a temporary change that's happening, and then they're going to fall back into the old habits again? We see this an example of Ananias. Ananias is the man whom the Lord told Saul, Saul, who later would be Saint Paul. To go to after his experience on the road when he heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And prior to Saul coming to Ananias, the Lord spoke to him, to Ananias, and told him to expect this man, Saul, to come and that he would Place his hands on his eyes so that he would be healed from his blindness um, that he had um, that he had experienced on the road. And so when Ananias heard from the Lord that this man Saul, who was well known to be a persecutor of Christians, was going to come and 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 that and that he should be healed, um, this is what it says. Then Ananias answered, "Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority." from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. He's saying to God, who is telling him, go and and heal this man, and this man is gonna become uh, a servant and a disciple of mine. And Ananias is telling him, don't you know who this man is? This man is the is persecutor. This man is the killer of Christians. How is it that you can choose him? Do you, are you aware of what you're doing? Um, questioning God, essentially, and saying, this, this man how, how can it be that this man is the one? And, and maybe this is easy for us to fall into this because um, we know how difficult it is for people to change. Um, maybe in our own life also, we know how difficult it is for us to change. And so when we see someone who has lived a life for so many years a certain way, and then they come wanting to offer uh, you know themselves they want to offer a changed life they come with a with a different spirit it's easy to be skeptical it's like well is it really the case how is it how come now suddenly out of nowhere this change has happened but this problem with skepticism is that it discounts the power of the grace of the holy spirit working in people that the god is the one who can transform and just as we see the transformation that happened in, in St. Paul and we see the transformation that happened in many, many of the lives of the saints and in, our, in, our, in ourselves, we, see, we know that um, the Lord can change the hearts of people. So we shouldn't be skeptical of the change, but we should I- encourage it, support it, help these people who are trying to change their lives in any way that we can. A third way that we maybe respond to those people who are repenting is by complaining, complaining against them. We see the perfect example of this um, in the parable of the workers of the 11th hour, (coughs) where uh, these workers came very, very late in the day uh, to work, uh, and the workers that had been there all day long (coughs) from the first hour, they of course worked much harder. They, they accomplished much more. They were much more responsible than those who chose to come much later in the day. And so those workers of the first hour were grumbling that the 11th hour workers got the same wage that they did, even though they barely worked at all for the entire day. It says, and when they had received it, this denarius that they received as a wage, They complained against the landowner saying these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. They felt that they deserved the wage that they received because of their effort. They they felt that they deserved the wage because of their hard work, because of their responsibility, because of every work that they did that was good and certainly the work they did was good and they were responsible. But the message of this parable is that the reward that we receive is the reward because of the mercy of God and not because of our own effort, right? In the end, the 11th hour workers were accepted because of God's mercy, and the first hour workers were accepted because of God's mercy, because no amount of good work can grant us access to paradise. It is the mercy of God. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. None of us is deserving of the kingdom, and so whether we are more diligent in our life or less diligent, all of us uh, whenever we enter into the kingdom of heaven, it is not because we have earned our way there, it is because God has allowed us to be there. So we shouldn't be complaining against people who are maybe coming to Christ late in life, or complaining against people who um, have have lived in a life of sin and then coming to repent later on, as though we are somehow upset with them because, you know, they have not, they have been wasting their time, they have been living their life however they please, and now later in their life they're choosing to come. This also is a wrong attitude toward those who are repenting. The last negative response that I want to mention um, regarding those who are repenting Um, is is jealousy. We see the perfect example of this um, in the older brother, the parable of the prodigal son. Of course, we know the parable that um, this younger son, he took all of his father's money. He went and he squandered it. And then when he lost it all, he decided to repent and come back to his father again. And the father rejoiced father uh, you know he, he he killed the fatted calf he had a party he rejoiced he invited everyone to come and to celebrate because he said my son was lost and he is found he was dead and now he is alive so he is rejoicing at the return of his son um, the older brother however who was always with his father who was always demonstrating responsibility who was who had never left his father looked at this and he was unhappy he's saying why are you giving so much attention To my brother and he says this lo these many years i have been serving you i never transgress your commandment at any time and yet you never gave me a young goat that i might make merry with my friends but as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots you killed the fatted calf for him so this is uh, demonstrating a very strong jealousy coming from the older brother to his younger brother instead of rejoicing at the repentance of his brother, he was jealous because of the attention and the treatment that he got. Sometimes when someone is changing their life, making a positive change in their life, they will get attention because it is something that is, that is noteworthy. It is something that is praised. You know, even it says that the angels in heaven celebrate whenever a sinner turns and repents. Like even the angels are celebrating. And so maybe we who have not gone through this maybe we who have been faithful the entire time we look and say what is the big deal why is it that these people are are getting all of this attention why isn't that I am not getting this attention you know this is another way maybe that sometimes we respond um, with this spirit of jealousy when we see the spiritual transformation happening in others instead of being joyful for this person that they are changing maybe we are desiring what it is that they have or what it is that they're they're attaining and we are um, upset as a result So I want to speak just a a, a few more, three more responses, but this time positive responses of of how we respond to those people who are repenting. Um, Number five is mercy, of course, very, very important. And we see this in the story that we read today uh, of how the Lord Jesus Christ treated the sinful woman who came to him. Um, It says, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. What's very important about this is Christ did not treat her as she deserved, right? Even when we we read the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, which was against the law, and according to the law, she should be stoned. And so all of these prominent members of the community saying, well, we want to follow the law, the command of Moses, we will take this woman and we will stone her. And so they actually were following the law and doing this, okay? So when, when, um, when the Lord Jesus Christ saw that this was happening, what was his response? He, he said to the people, whoever of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone, meaning all of you deserve to be stoned. You think that you are the righteous ones and that only this woman is the sinful one? No, we all deserve condemnation. We all, we all deserve to be stoned. So if you want to stone her, stone her, but you also will be stoned. Because, because there is none of us that is free. There is none of us who, are, who is guiltless. There is none of us who has lived a, a spotless or blameless life. Again, we enter into the kingdom not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of God. So the way that we should respond to anyone who is choosing to repent is immediately to show mercy to them, not to, not, not to boast over them, not to hold up against them all of the sins that they committed. Imagine if God did this with us. When we come and we ask for forgiveness, he says, "Well, wait. Let me show you every wrong thing that you have done in your life. Let me, let me, let me parade it in front of you. Let me, let me put it in your face. Let me humiliate you first, so that you see every wrong thing that you have done. And then after that, maybe I will decide to forgive you." He doesn't do this. It actually says that whenever we confess our sins, he does not even remember them. He says, "I will remember your sins no more." If you can even um, imagine that, you know, maybe someone who Who harms us in some way, insults us, he sins against us in some way, and yet we will completely forget all the things that they did to us and we will harbor no resentment or or bitterness toward them at all. This is what God is saying I will remember your sins no more. He responds in mercy, and we, as his children, he asks us to also respond the same. We ask him to forgive us our sins just as we also forgive those people who sin against us. So this is the way we should respond to those who are repenting with a spirit of mercy. Also with restoration, the Lord responded not just with the forgiveness of sins, but restoration. A very important example of this is Saint Peter. Of course, we know that Saint Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ at the time of his crucifixion. He said, I don't even know the man. And of course, afterward, Uh, St. Peter felt extremely guilty and sorrowful for what he did. And he felt that he was no longer even an apostle anymore. He he, he, He denied Christ. He was not a follower of Christ anymore. And so he felt this shame and guilt inside of himself. And of course, at that point, the Lord died. And in his mind, there was no way to rectify whatever it is that he did. You know, imagine that you do something to harm someone and then that person dies and you have no more opportunity to apologize. You have no more opportunity to to, to reconcile with them or anything. But of course, we know that the Lord resurrected. And one of the things that the Lord did after his resurrection is he didn't just ignore the situation. He didn't just uh, forgive Peter silently. You know, he didn't just say inside of himself, well, I forgive Peter. I know that Peter is, is sorrowful for what he did and he regrets it. So I, I forgive him in, in myself. No, he made it a point to go to Peter and to speak to him and to say, I forgive you, Peter. And he said, I, not only am I forgiving you, but I am restoring you again to your apostleship. To your pastoral care and that's what he said when he uh, what he meant when he asked the when he asked peter three times do you love me and each time uh saint peter uh, responded lord you know that i love you and then the lord responded feed my sheep right feed my sheep meaning meaning my sheep are my children my sheep are the children of god and you are the pastor you are the one who i have appointed to serve them and i want you to continue to serve them you know, for any one of us in any kind of position, which is all of us, whether it be a parent or a servant in the church or a clergy or whoever it might be, all of us have fallen short of the standard that we are called for. You know? How many times maybe as parents do we feel like I don't even deserve to be a parent? I, I I've said things or done things that that has kind of like gone against the principles of parenthood, or offending people, or putting too much um, uh, d- too, too much uh, burden on on my children, for instance, messing up essentially, messing up in many different ways, whether as parents or, or as servants or clergy or, or 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 employees or anything, any any position that we have, that we do not deserve. And yet the Lord, when he comes to us, he says what? I forgive you. And he says, I also restore you. I don't reject you from being to me a servant. I don't reject you. I will have patience with you and wait for you to continue to learn. So he restores those who come in a spirit of repentance. Finally, the last point I want to make is the one of patience. When you read the story of King David, right, of how he fell into sin with Bathsheba, Um, God waited he waited for the whole thing to play out and he didn't jump in and and try to stop King David he waited he waited he waited for the whole situation to play out and then at the end after the situation was done he comes to him and then he confronts him with his sin and he and, and he says through the the prophet Nathan why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight God is patient with us god is not quick to judge us if god were to judge us for the first sin that we commit we would all be condemned already and we would have no opportunity to change or to repent but actually the um, the apostle peter he says what the lord is not slack concerning his promise his promise meaning the promise that judgment will come for the wicked he's saying he's not slack that 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 uh, concerning his promise but he is long suffering to us so that everyone would come to repentance and that is even for our enemies you know, when we, when, we, when we ask God, why, Lord, are you allowing my enemies to, to prosper? Why are you allowing my enemies? Why aren't you coming to destroy my enemies immediately? Well, maybe the answer is, is God also wants to have mercy on our enemies. God wants to have mercy on us, just as we also sin. He wants to have mercy on those who have also sinned against us. So he's very patient. He's given us an entire lifetime. For us to change. He's given us an entire lifetime for us to wake up, for us to repent of our sins. He's given us a lifetime to experience his love and to turn and to love him in return. And so this patience is also a very important element of repentance because repentance is a process. It is not a one-time event. It's not that we suddenly decide to repent and we never fall into sin again. No, we will sin. You know, anyone who is saying, I want to have a relationship with another person, Means that they, he has to acknowledge that there is going to be uh, mistakes. There's going to be failures, and so I have to learn to have patience with others so that I can continue to have a positive relationship with them, even when they fall, even when they make mistakes, even when there's failures. I'm able to uh, bring. I'm, I'm able to restore the relationship. I'm able to focus on building that relationship again. So we spoke about seven different types of uh, responses to repentance. First four were negative. We said judgment skepticism, complaining, jealousy, and then the last three were positive, mercy, restoration, and patience. And so we ask that God grant us to have good responses for when we repent and when other people repent so that we can support them in this repentance. And this is according to the will of God and glory be to God forever. Amen.